I'm Brett Coleman, and you're listening to the Sounds of the Loom podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm your host steve mcpherson and with me is the malevolent space computer from stanley kubrick's masterpiece 2001 cal 9000 cal quote <laughs> outcast it is colder than a polar bear's toenails out there <laughs> yes it is I, man I, I didn't realize i didn't realize um polar bear's toenails were cold well, I would. Pre- I mean, I think the assumption is that you would presume they are cold because, because they walk through. Sh- right, I get it, but I mean, <laughs> are, are they cold all year round? Is this a thing that we need to debate? Well, I just think that there's no circulation in a in a toenail, right? Correct. I imagine, and it's on a polar bear. Yes, and so it's it's the extremist extremity of a polar bear. Let's you have assume, to take, take this up with Big Boy next time you go to Atlanta. I mean, is, it's it's his lyric, not mine. I mean, look, let, let's let's assume that they're all in. Arctic type temperatures because remember the episode of Lost? There yes. was a polar bear on there that tropical island. I'm not entirely <laughs> convinced his toenails were cold. There was never, there was never an explanation for the no, polar bear. No, there wasn't. They gave up. One of many things. Let's just start a podcast about the problems with with, with Lost as a show. Because like those years I have, I have back. many problems uh, with that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we get a lot of comments on that. So um, it, Lost was. Okay, really briefly. Yes. Very briefly. <laughs> it is interesting because I have heard the guys, you know, who, who made Damon Lindelof and, and I think J.J. Abrams was yes, the other yes, guy. Yes, uh, You know, they made – they started making laws thinking this is never going to get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was a lot of stuff that they did that was like we didn't know what it was either. It just seemed like a good idea at the time and so we threw it in there. And then it and then but then they still had to land it like a regular TV show at the at the end of 6 years or whatever it was. And so they just left they just they were like forget it. That didn't mean anything. So um which I think stands in stark contrast. It's funny because if you watch like Twin Peaks, uh-huh. uh, the David Lynch vehicle, uh Lynch there's a lot of stuff that Lynch does that doesn't make sense, but he knows that it doesn't go anywhere. He's right. not asking you to make to a conclusion it. about it. Mm-hmm. He's sort of – or actually what he's trying to do is entice your brain to try to make something out of it, but then leave it unresolved. It's a very dream logic way to go about making something, which is – I think if you're committed to that, that's interesting. Yes. Um, that Lynch wants to pull – you know, he wants to sort of make you feel a little uncomfortable. And if something is creepy, it, we know that like – there's a lot of things that are creepy in the world that when you figure out what they are, it's not that scary, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it was, you know, you're scared of some shape. You're a kid. You're like, oh, my closet, there's a monster. Then it turns out it's a basketball that's up in or whatever like that. You figure it out, it's it's harmless. If you never figure it out, it remains this kind of open, creepy thing. Correct. Which I think is what Lost was trying to do. Like, they sort of, I mean, and it was one of the things that made it enticing, right, when you started watching it. But then it ultimately, they either resolved the things or they never touched on them again, and then it felt like it was sloppy. Um, yeah, S- sloppy is the right word. It was six years, wasn't it? That six Lost years. For. Yeah, I would like those six years back. It was good for like two seasons, in my opinion. Yeah, but then they they'd already grabbed you. Then you were already hooked because you wanted to find out what these little things were. Right. And by the time it got to five, six seasons, whatever, I, I was ready to punch the television. I was like. 
Tell us what's going on. Yes. What? What? Why are these people here? And I thought the ending was crap as well. Yeah. Oh, for the goodness' ending, sake! Like, yeah. come on, mate. No, the, it was the ending was a very oh the the real mystery was the friends we made along the way, which was not it was not very satisfying. It's so. like you guys run out of ideas. Yeah. Just be honest, you guys run out of ideas. Yeah. You know what was a great show was The Wire. Have you watched The Wire? Have I've not. But you've told me about this okay. before. Yes. And, and I. And I I will do it some stage. I've just got a million other things definitely, on Netflix. Definitely watch The Wire. One of my favorite characters in The Wire, Lieutenant Daniels, mm-hmm. who looks a lot like a guy named Ike Opara, who we signed mm. um, or we traded for. That's my segue. Yes. Yeah, uh, thank you. Very professional. Well done. Yes. Um, is it professional <laughs> then explain that that was my segue? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so Mr. Ike Opara uh, announced last night, Monday night, that mm. we're uh, trading for roughly $900,000 in TAM. Uh, with a further hundred thousand in incentives that could be triggered, um, you're an SKC guy. You were an SKC guy. Um, tell me, tell me about Ike. So, Ike Opara is strong, quick, athletic, if you will, all of the above. He's also a really nice individual as well, and. It's good from our point of view because he's fabulous with the media as well. <laughs> yes. You um, told me last night, this is like the first thing you texted me. You're like, yeah. he's great to interview, which is fantastic. He, he's going to be a really solid addition to this team because he's also great in the community as well. Mm-hmm. I, I can guarantee you he's going to be at a load of community events as well. To my knowledge, his missus is from here as well. Oh, really? So this is a, a move that, that he was like from very the much... From Twin Cities or from Minnesota? From Minnesota. Or, okay, I don't know not the Twin necessarily Cities, Twin okay. Cities, but... Um, this is something that I think he probably had his eye on secretly. Sure. Um, knowing the challenge that, that we have here. So um, it, it's a really, really good move. It's a really good move. Yeah. I saw straight away people suggesting that we've perhaps overspent and spent $900,000. And, and as you said, with further incentives, a couple of people said it was maybe an act of desperation and whatnot. And I, at first, I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. But then I, I look at it, and I, I would encourage all these people that have said it's a desperation move to, to really go into the weeds of the deal and look at it, because it's actually a really good deal when you think about it. I, I was talking to a, a league official last night about this, um, someone who, who is exceptionally talented and, and knows just about everything there is to know about Tam and Gam, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm, you know, discretionary Tam, mandatory Tam. I was, I was having a, a yeah. Tam conversation last night. Sounds so wild, man. It, it was it was insane. It was really, really insane. Cra- crazy Monday night at the Williams <laughs> household. <laughs> so here's what I picked up from this, right? So Tam obviously is getting larger every year. I think Tam first came out in 2015, and, and the league gave every team $500,000. <laughs> now the league gives teams $1.2 million of Tam every single year. Mm-hmm. So essentially what we've done is we've just spent the money that the league have told us to spend. The right. league are encouraging teams to, to spend this money because it makes the league better. It's, you know, a, a lot of the times I think they prefer you spend it on international players, but it's also there to do with whatever you want. Um, my point is here is that TAM comes around again and again and again and again. So I, I think for me, People were saying, you know, um, they, they weren't sure what about, uh, why don't we use any GAM? So general allocation money, once that's used, that's used. You right. can't get that back. And it's more flexible than TAM. Like, you can use it for more things. Possibly. I'm not sh- I don't know about that. Possibly. I believe this is what I had seen is just that, uh, just talking about in relation to, because, uh, you know, 
obviously this is money, so this is not a, a like-for-like trade. But, you know, one of the big talking points um, when when Christian Ramirez was sent to LAFC was the return. And, yep. this, and people are looking at this as sort of like, well, we got a million dollars for Christian – but now we spend a million dollars on Ike. That's who we, who we got for. Which is it's not as easy. It's not as simple it's, as that. It's not as simple but, as that. I know. I know, so I know what you're it, saying. Half of it was gam for for Christian. A lot of people are saying, well, that's it's good to not have used that gam then on this because the gam Tam again. It's like Tam is directed to particular things. Yes, correct. Gam has a little more flexibility about it. I think. I think. Possible. Uh, so, so no one really knows. <laughs> this is the great mystery about it, isn't it? But Only look, Don Garber knows. To, to my knowledge, <laughs> as I said, so Tam, you, you get. Uh, an influx every year right. of TAM. Yeah. So I, I also understand the price as well. So first of all, before I get into, into that, to my knowledge, obviously the fee is that of, or close there to what we sold Ramirez for. So everyone's assuming that that's the money that was used. Right. My, to my knowledge, we, that that's not the case. We've still got yeah. several, however many, whatever it is, TAM left. Um, so there's still some in the in the pocket, to my knowledge. So we've not necessarily spent the Ramirez money, right? Um, but I understand what people are saying. You know, if you'd have offered a straight trade Ramirez for Apara, I think a lot of people probably would have done it. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's not forget MLS 2017 Defender of the Year yeah. uh, for a reason. But here's the thing I have with, with the price, right? So Tam, it's getting larger every single year. Every MLS team knows this, right? Because they're all getting the same amount. This happened in the Premier League as well. When when the TV contracts got bigger and bigger and bigger, right. every team were, were given copious amounts of money, all sorts of different numbers. I think MLS teams know this now, that, that every other team in the league has this certain amount of money. They've got this in their pocket. So we can say, we know you've got this money, so this is what we want. I think Ico Parra's transfer trade has ushered us into somewhat of a new era domestically in Major League Soccer. Mm -hmm. we, we, we have seen... That's wrong, because we've had trades that have happened before Dom Dwyer going to Orlando, for example, for 1.2 million. Okay. It, I, I think Orlando... Uh, I think Apara's trade is a part of this new wave in Major League Soccer where it's the closest thing we're going to get to transfer fees being paid domestically. Mm -hmm. And I think $900,000... If you think about it, if Ico Parra ends up playing for this franchise for the next three, four years and is a stalwart at centre-half, that's actually a, not a bad deal whatsoever. Yeah. Because let's think about Ike on the international market, right? And I know it's a very different market, but let's just think about it for a second. In my opinion, Ico Parra on the international market, if he was going to be sold to, let's just say, Fulham, for example, wanted to buy Ico Parra from Kansas City... I would say his value was probably around about $3 million, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fair price for Ico Parra. So then when you look back at it and you realise we've just spent $900,000 of money that we're going to get back next year anyway, right? it's actually not a bad deal at all. So all these people saying that it's, it's desperate, they don't like it. I saw someone have the audacity to say it was worse than the Nick Haglund trade uh, the other day. That's ridiculous, in my opinion. You know, yeah. And I respect that journalist as well, but I thought that was an absolutely ridiculous take. So, Ico Parra is a need for us. You know, yeah. we, we, We've needed uh, another starting caliber centre-back to really push Boxall, Coleman and Olmsberg. Um, we, we 
in my opinion, it's, it's something that we probably should have addressed a little earlier last year. But anyway, we've done it now. Mm-hmm. And I think Opara is going to be a fabulous addition to this team. And, and, you know, as I said, if he ends up playing for this team for three, four years, it's going to be a really good addition and makes $900,000 look like pennies. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, there's nuance to, to who you bring in and and when you bring in them in. I, I want to go into a little bit about that later. But um, I, I think that the... Like if it, try, trying to just look at it objectively from the outside, if you if you were here is somebody who doesn't know anything about MLS or doesn't know anything about Minnesota United, and you're mm-hmm. like, you know, Minnesota United has been a team in MLS for for two years, and you know, last year they got uh, this guy Darwin Quintero as their first DP. Yep. He was amazing. He had the best July of just about any player in, yep. in the history of MLS uh, it, for a month. I mean, it was incredible. Um, they they gave up a record 70 goals in their first season and a record 71 goals in their second season. Where should they spend a bunch of money? It's like probably the defense, you know. And so to bring in Ozzy Alonso and, and Ike Opara yep. as sort of like your marquee guys you brought in who are known quantities within the league, who are both, as some people pointed out, like at, at, at any time like viewed as bests at their position uh, in MLS. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's what needed to be addressed. You're going to, you know, people are going to quibble about, you know, I'll, I'll get into the injury thing later. Let's get into the injury thing later. Okay. Let's talk right now about Ike Opara's impact on the field specifically for this, mm-hmm. for this team. Um, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about something that I think is, uh, obviously defensively huge. He's, he's going to be great, but, um, set pieces is one of those things that I think, First of all, Minnesota United has been god awful at <laughs> really terrible the last the last couple of years. Um, getting Gregus, uh, first of all, I'm just gonna say his name that way. Don't <laughs> you look at me like he's I'm gonna say the written name right. Forget it. I'm on a rant. Stop. Don't stop me. Um, uh, Mr. Jan. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so getting him who can both serve up. Uh, you know, free kicks, and is also a big guy to get on the end of them. And then adding in Ike, who is another big boy, as you would say, mm-hmm. uh, to get on the end of those. Uh, I noticed, I believe it was Jeff Reuter in The Athletic had noted that uh, Minnesota United had five set-piece goals last year. Ike had three just by himself. Yep. So um, maybe start talking a little bit about that, but then also just in terms of the, the back line, what you feel like he brings. So I think... Um First of all, with, with the back line, Steve, he, he is a lot quicker than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you quite rightly said, he's a big boy. Um, I, I think the one thing I noticed about Ike over the last couple of years is that his reading of the game has gotten a lot better. He was a little bit raw when he came from San Jose to, to Kansas City. Um, didn't really have the best of times. I think he was a little bit of a nomad when he was in, um, in, in San Jose, looking for a move and whatnot. And when he came to Kansas City, he... he he fit in almost immediately. Then he had a, a, a little bit of an injury issue, which, as you said, we'll get onto later. Um, but he's ended up being one of the best central defenders that Major League Soccer has to offer. Um, and I think the fact that he's come here shows that Minnesota United are serious about this season and they want to win now. Someone was was um, complaining about Ike's age. I have no problem with his age. What, what's the issue? He's in his prime right now. If he was, you know, 35. Yeah. Okay. Especially I, as a center back. You know, right. if you're talking about, yeah, you know, an attacking player. midfielder <laughs> yeah. or somebody like that, and they're, you know, 30, and, you know, that's okay. All right. You're, you're, but again, for goalkeepers, center backs, 
I think you can get away with it. You really yeah. can. But look, I mean, I I have no problem with Ike Sage whatsoever. But as I said, his reading of the game has, has gotten much better, and I know a lot of that is probably working with Vermees, who played at centre back for those unaware. I think um, I I wonder is this as well because I I. Mike has gotten a lot better with the ball at his feet as well over the last couple of years. I wonder, is that something that Adrian wanted? I, I wonder, is... Because, you know, Adrian, in a perfect world, wants his teams to play out of the back. Mm -hmm. I, I think Boxall and Coleman are fabulous centre-backs, but I don't think, using their feet, I don't think actually passing the ball, whether it's direct or, or wherever, I, I don't think that's a major strong point of theirs. they got many, many other plus points, but I don't think that's one of them. Yeah. I think Ike will be a lot better at that. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, he may very well, whoever's playing at centre-half this year, may very well just go short to Alonso anyway, or, or to, to Greg Ishii, will drop a little deeper as well, and they may very well play a direct pass anyway. But the fact is now we've got all these options that we've not had for the last two years. Yeah. Um, Ike is quick. As I mentioned earlier on, he's athletic. He, uh, I remember seeing him, uh, when was it? It was 2013, 14, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, and the ball um, came in from the left-hand side, whoever Kansas City were playing. It was headed up by Beasler, and I don't know what Ike Opara just straight bicycle kicked it away. Yes, yes. You know, um, so hence the the reason why I'm saying he's majorly athletic. So, yeah. honestly, and also as well, the one thing I don't think people realise about Ike is is he will be really good in the locker room as well. Mm -hmm. He's someone who really wants to give it all. Um, I think that the important thing to note here, Steve, is is again. Minnesota United have signed somebody who wants to come in and win and be active straight away. Mm -hmm. And I think with, with some of the signings that Minnesota United made in the past, that wasn't always the case. Mm -hmm. So I think, again, credit where credit's due. Um, Minnesota United have signed players now where they understand you have to compete now, you have to win now. And I think the, the hype for Minnesota United... Has never been as high as it is right now. Yeah. I think the hype's a little dangerous. Um, I'm going to say that I don't like the term win now, just as a term, um, because I think it gets deployed a lot. It sort of connotes, like, desperation. Uh, okay. And a sort of, like, your time is running out in a way that... I mean, I'm not saying that... I feel like it connotes, like, something's gone wrong and you've had to shift and throw everything into, you know, a team suddenly or something like that, like out of panic. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really buy that that's, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that, you know, maybe this is not exactly, I'm not saying that like two years ago, you know, the, the front office and Adrian sat down and they're like, well, in two years we'll get Ikapara and whatever like that. I think that, I think that people, fans tend to, underrate the degree to which you have to look at the opportunities that are available and take the opportunities that are there and then see how those play out and then build from there. And it's not this simple thing of like, this is the plan and this is how we execute it at each step. Mm. Everything is dynamic and not every opportunity comes up at the same time. Maybe they wanted to build the defense first, but maybe those opportunities weren't there. Um, we heard about this when they signed Darwin, you know, that it was, he was a guy that had been on their radar. It was a guy who, he was a guy who was on Adrian's radar since Orlando. Yes. Um, and this was the opportunity, right? You take that opportunity. Did the team at that moment, I mean, obviously the team needed help in a lot of areas when Darwin was signed, but probably more defensive help than attacking midfielder help. But he was the guy that 
it presented the opportunity, yep. you know, um, some opportunities are presented. They don't pan out. It seems like obviously they recognize that now is the time to build that, that defense. They need to shore up that defense, but these are the opportunities that are out there. You know, Ozzy Alonso was an opportunity because Seattle had decided they weren't going to, they weren't going to pick up his contract, which, which was so bizarre by the way, because we're whilst we're on this subject, because it was of the opinion of everybody around major league soccer that Ozzy Alonso was going to get a deal at the Sounders. Right. It may not have been at the number that he wanted, but he was going to get a contract, and nothing happened anywhere. And then all of a sudden, Cincinnati asked the question, yeah, and that alerted everybody. Unfortunately, right. Minnesota United were, were, were quicker than anybody else and, and managed to get him in. But um, I'm also interested as well, Steve. Uh, well, first of all, I'm interested to see how we say Roman Matanier, how we say his name. Yes, because I, I want it. Yes, I want to talk about him too. I was, uh, I realized that we haven't really gotten a chance to discuss Roman Matanier. It Matanier. I believe. Metania. But, I, look, I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> well, um, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go and, and, and see, um, um, I'm going to go and watch some, some more tape on him and some, some French games with the French commentary to see how, how the commentators there say it. How is your French? Terrible. Okay. Yeah, just awful. Um, all, all I remember from... Mine is uh, formidable. I don't know what that means. It's formidable. It means <laughs> like good. On. I took French for six years in high school. So. I t- uh, well, I took French for four years, and it's terrible. <laughs> Me and Romain, Romain and moi, we're going to be hanging out and chilling. All I know is Jim Appel Callum. Okay, that's pretty and, good. And for some unknown reason, I just remember La Piscine, which La Piscine. is swimming pool. Swimming pool yes. That's all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my brother took French, and um, the only two things he could remember were Juju au volleyball, which is I play volleyball, and Je suis le frigo, which means I'm the refrigerator. Neither of which, <laughs> I mean, they don't come in handy very often. But, no, no. Um, but anyways. No, I have, uh, Fr- French is great. It hasn't served me very well in uh, this career yet. I, Spanish would have helped a lot more so far. Well, unless um, we go up to Montreal. Yeah. Which, you yeah. Know, I've been to Montreal. Year. It's good. I've been in Paris. A quick diversion to talk about Paris. I was there on my honeymoon with uh, my wife, and uh, we she had bought some shoes that she had to return. Mm-hmm. And the the in true Parisian fashion, the, the woman who helped us out when she tried to return them acted very nice. And then as soon as it was clear we wanted to return something, she was awful. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I was exchange, I was doing this in French. I was having this discussion with her. Wow, and you. she, I was, you know, I was like, you know, my wife wants to exchange these shoes. She was like, oh, of course. She opened it and she's like, she wore them, which I, maybe she had worn them once, but it was like they, they didn't fit or whatever like that. I was like, can't, can't you do anything? She's like, I can throw them in the trash. That's literally what wow. she said. And at that moment I realized this was my chance to deploy all the swear words I learned in French <laughs> but never got to use. And so I just started cursing her out. Because I was wow. like, I'm in Paris. When am I going to get the chance to do this again? So I got into a <laughs> straight-up fight with this woman, stormed out of the store. So anyways, wow. that's when I got to use all the uh, all the naughty words I never got to use in class. So. What, what I will say is, um, <laughs> I, I will admit, Steve, that's not a very European thing is taking stuff back. And I know it, right, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. massive thing because, right, you know, you bought these, whatever the item is, if you don't like it, then you you should be able to go and take it back. Right. In Europe, the view is, well, you bought it. Right. That's your yeah, problem. Yeah. No. You I, know? I, so. Yes. A grudging return policy is, I, is I how I cringe would. every time my wife says, "Oh, I don't like these. I'm going to return them, or I'm going to yeah. send these back." Or whatever. Yeah. I cringe, you know. It's yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about what was I talking about? That's an hour. Yes, I was looking at my notes. I, okay. Last thing I wanted to say about those uh, the opportunity thing, just that I think a lot of people think that it's just. 
you here's player A, you play you pay player A X amount of money and then it happens. But it's just it's just not it's not like FIFA. You're not out there just being like pushing a button that's like offer this guy this amount of money, hmm. then when he rejects it, you bump it up by five million or whatever. It's it is there's a ton of teams out there all across the the, the world mm-hmm. who are looking for players. And there are a ton of players out there who are looking for the right situations. And so much of it is timing and communication. And it, it's just a lot more complicated than I think a lot of people want to admit or really think about. Because it is yeah. complicated to get these things done. Okay. Well, what I will, what I will say as well, Steve, is yes. to my knowledge, having looked at last year's numbers, Ico Paro's contracts in terms of numbers, is nowhere near the top end of what a lot of centre-backs are earning in this league. So, again, another reason why it's a good deal for Minnesota United. Right. Okay, so, so I mean, I hate, I hate uh, making things up. I hate, like, speculating. Mm-hmm. Let's speculate. <laughs> um, so, starting back line now. Presumed starting back line left to right is Calvo and then... So, so, so this is so this is. I was having this debate with someone the other day. I um, I could see absolutely the argument for doing Coleman and Opara at centre half, but I think just because, at least at the start of the season, because of Boxall's experience, it wouldn't surprise me if it started Boxall and Opara. But hey, it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. Yeah, I we were just discussing this in the in the in the office uh, a little earlier today, and a thing I like is I mean you're sort of doubling down on size because Boxy is a little taller than Coleman. Um, they're both tough. Uh, Boxy has a little of that edge, which Coleman has. I don't know how to describe this exactly. Brent has like grit. Right, like he's yes. like if you knock him down, he's gonna get back up again. Boxy's a little more like is gonna knock people down <laughs> and stare at them, which I love. Is one of the things I love about Boxy. So I think there's something to be said about starting the season with. I mean, it depends a lot on what happens in preseason and Correct. what Adrian sees from people and and who's totally healthy and and who isn't. I know Boxy had a little a little nick, uh, uh, you know, picked up something. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's fine. But um, but you know, like you know, who's maybe ready that first game? Like maybe it's just a mat- maybe it's as close as that. But um, but the pairing of Boxy and Opara is appealing, and you know that like Boxy might be out on international duty. You know, like everybody's going to get their chances. We have a lot more Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday games. You know, there's there's going to be you're going to need to rotate in more depth. Yep. So everybody's going to have their opportunities. And then on the right wing, our buddy Romain Metanier. Yep. So you, what do you know about Rom- Romain? I know that he's an aggressive fullback, and I, what I and mean playing out of the back again. As I was going to say exactly. that Calvo is a guy who's comfortable playing out of the back. Yep. Um, you add Opara if he's comfortable playing out of the back, and then mm-hmm. and then Metanier is, you know, maybe less playing passes but penetrating. It seems like he's a guy who wants to go forward. Well, he, he want, uh, and that's what I mean. But when I say aggressive, Steve, is that he he will go down that right hand side. He's yeah. very very fast, which is good because obviously that means he's got a decent amount of recovery speed as well. So, mm-hmm. and if you think about it as as well with this system, once he goes and everyone else tucks in, Calvo, obviously he'll be at well, I'm assuming he'll be at left back. He then moves into that centre-back role, which he's played a million times as well. So effectively, then yeah. you've got three central defenders and Ozzy Alonso ahead of them. It looks a lot more solid than what it has over the last two years. So, But Metanel, to my knowledge, um, for, from all the clips I've seen, from chatting to a couple of people over in Europe, they, they say he's... Um, 
he, he, he's raw in terms of um, speed, athleticism. Um, he, he will he will get crosses in more than most fullbacks. Like he, and I think maybe that's because he, he's probably got half a yard more pace than than a lot of other right backs do, than a lot of other fullbacks probably do uh, in this league. So it wouldn't surprise me if 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 a couple of goals come from that right-hand side this year where he is the one who's been overlapping and, and joined in on the attack. And I, I'd said this before, I knew this signing was going to happen, Steve, that I thought Angelo Rodriguez, obviously we all know his role, hold up, yep. get the other three behind him involved. I said I thought he'd get, you know, six goals this season, maybe seven. I think with the service now that he may very well get from the three behind him, but also from the fullbacks. Bump that up to eight or nine. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't surprise me if, if the majority of Rodriguez's goals came with his head after service from out wide. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that a, a lot of... The other thing is that better players are going to make other players look better. Mm-hmm. You know, is is like one thing I was thinking about with regard to set pieces is like, for example, like Calvo likes to get up on set pieces, right? He's, he's scored several headers for yep. Costa Rica, um, but he's a little small. Right, but if you have Ike Opara in there, if you have Jan Gregush in there, and they, they are <laughs> and they are tall, they are targets, and so people focus more on them, which opens up more chances for a guy like Calvo to swoop in. I think that I, I mean I think that people sometimes underrate the extent to which better player. I mean, if 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 there are good players out there, it makes more room for players who are maybe not up at that level to do more. It gives them more time. It gives them more space. That can you know that's what you really a lot of times what you're looking for are not just great players for their own skills, but for their ability to make other people better, quote unquote, which is mm-hmm. what which is what you hear a lot about. But you saw it with with regard to like Darwin last year, right? With with the other with the other attacking players, where um, at his best, like again in that sort of July period. Um, where he was causing such havoc, he was drawing two defenders a lot of times. That opens up a lot of space for other guys to, yep. to, to make runs. That just wasn't happening when you weren't having, you know, it's a thing that makes a guy like Miguel look a lot better, you know, because mm-hmm. his ability to cut into space, you saw that time and again with Darwin, where like Darwin being in between those lines would f- would pull in Miguel's guy, Miguel would run forward. Correct. Without that, then Miguel is just a guy who's fast, who somebody else can keep an eye on, right? But if you have, I mean, I don't mean to <laughs> A harsh, but you know. I don't mean to disparage Miguel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, like, like Ibarra. He he's fantastic. He's not going to like create his own opportunities in, in front of goal. Generally, he's he, Darwin does that kind of stuff. When he does that, it draws attention. It opens up opportunities for Ibarra to feast on those kind of things. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm as we said, uh, I think on the last podcast, Steve. I'm looking forward to seeing that three behind Rodriguez because it it, it could be. Uh, any of them, really. You know, yeah. we've got so many combinations yeah. that, that, that are possible to us. And as you mentioned, so many Saturday-Wednesday games, I think we're going to see a, a different variation on, on many different occasions. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Quintero is, is obviously, goes without saying, I, I would back Quintero. Let, let's not forget, this is this will be his first full season yeah. in Major League Soccer. I, I would hold my hands up, absolutely bet money, back him to get 10 and 10. Yeah. That would not surprise me at all. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Players either side of him, then if if they each get seven and seven, yeah, great. I think that's a fabulous opportunity for Minnesota United to to elevate themselves to a level they've not been at before. So yeah. it's looking good right now. Yeah. I think um, people were getting a little bit concerned, weren't they? Maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, 
but I think right now it's looking good. I, I still think as well that there are one or two areas that they could strengthen in. Yep. I think they will strengthen in those areas as well. I don't think we're done signing players just yet. Mm -hmm. um, we'll wait and see. Obviously, the international transfer deadline day is on Thursday, mm -hmm. which um, is carnage, always is. <laughs> um, you, you get a lot of people overspending and... and um, you know, really, uh, just trying to grab that that last player to that the last piece to the to the puzzle. Sure. Um, so I would encourage people to to watch. Apparently, on on Thursday, NBC are going to broadcast Sky Sports News, which, for those unaware, is is the UK's version of Sports Centre, really. Mm -hmm. But on on transfer deadline day, it is a must watch because be. all all these deals are happening. More often than not, Sky, the people who get all the information first. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it's going to start at about two o'clock Central Time. So. Um, I would encourage people to watch that because I also I also think as well, having spoken to a couple of people around the league, I think Major League Soccer will be involved in that day as well. I think there'll be a couple of international deals done on deadline day. Yeah, yeah, it's always fun. I think the transfer window stuff is fun. I, I mean, obviously getting getting Ike, you know, getting these, this news coming through is always is always exciting. I think that the I do think the hype levels are maybe a little. I want people to just like you know, I, I've seen down. I've seen some play out play out. Playoffs, baby. And I'm like, hey, listen, let's start. Let's get to the first preseason game, which is happening in a, in a couple minutes here. Yes, correct. Uh, for us. Uh, I, I think also there's some people who are saying, who are very like, well, if healthy. You know, this again, this is a thing that we touched on before. Um, Set up with anybody, though, can't you really? This is, that, that was exactly my point, which is like, you know, if prior to last season you had been like, you know, it looks pretty good as long as, you know, Molino and Finley stay healthy. You've been like, what are you talking about? And then they both go down yeah. in the first couple of games, right? So it, it can happen to anybody everybody's season is, every team's season is predicated on if their team is healthy or Correct. not. Correct. <laughs> if, if Zlatan Ibrahimovic is not fit, yeah. the LA Galaxy season yeah. is drastically different. Yeah. So, But this is the thing I will say as well, is look, it's great to have so much positivity around Minnesota United, but everybody in the Western Conference has also strengthened as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It, look, I mean, in my opinion, this team that we have now, that there's no excuses, they should be challenging for, I guess, the top seven now this year. Yeah. They should be in, in the, the conversation for postseason. But let's just see. There's a lot that can happen over yeah. the course of the next yes. what, month or so yes. before the first game in Vancouver. So yeah. um, it's exciting, though, Steve. It really and, is exciting. And and, and just to reemphasize, to enjoy that journey, you know, which is a thing we talked a little bit about, but that a thing like... Um, you know, you're saying in preseason, we're going to see a bunch of different lineups, you know, mm -hmm. like enjoy that process. See how guys play together. Like enjoy those interchanges, like take enjoyment from that moment. And then, you know, think about how it's going to, they're going to line up. Then when you see how they line up in the season, go, Oh, that that's, in, that's cool. You know, like enjoy the first, enjoy the first win, enjoy the first road win, you know, when the, enjoy that first game at Allianz field, you know, there's, there's just these things that are like, there's a lot of stops between now and the playoffs, right? Yeah. So don't just go, this is it. Yeah. We're in the don't playoffs. Go tunnel like, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a whole journey here. And especially, this is the first season at Allianz Field. Like, there's going to be so much to enjoy and so many firsts. And just, just keep your mind on the present, is all I would say to people. Basically, what we're saying is you've got a myriad of sprinklings of joy ahead of you. Is yeah, what we're I'm saying. Mary, I mean, I wouldn't have said it that way, but that <laughs> sounds like a Cal Williams thing to say. So, sure. We'll, so we'll go with let's that. just touch on preseason because preseason games are coming up. Yep. We're, they're about to start one. We're recording this on Tuesday. So, uh, this afternoon, there's the first one, which is not streaming, which is against FC Tucson. Um, but uh, on Saturday, we're playing against Phoenix Rising, uh, Saturday, February 2nd at 3 p.m. Central Time. That will be streaming on our website. 
Yep. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then on Wednesday, February 6th, we're playing the Houston Dynamo at 7 p.m., uh, which is all, which should also be streaming. Um, it, real quick, we touched on it, but what do you – here's – Here's what I think we can really learn from preseason games. Nothing. <laughs> I disagree. Okay. Disagree. You Make be- your case. We, we, of course we can. <laughs> we, we can learn a lot from preseason. We can pre-season. learn. I don't want conclusions. Nobody make any conclusions. But you can learn things. We can, of course. You, you can learn which players are more comfortable in certain roles, which players are more comfortable with a certain player alongside them. You can learn which formation looks better. You can learn... Uh, things about an individual player, what they like to do, what runs they like to make, what runs they don't like to make. Sure. Um, you, you, and also as well from, from a, a coaching staff point of view, obviously they're all down in, in Arizona now, as you say. You get to spend a lot of time with these players, with these individuals. You can learn a lot about them as human beings as well. Sure. So, yes. Which um, doesn't come through on the, the, the games. No, but it's no, something, no. They're all learning each other. Uh, correct. I mean, these are important. This is an important exercise for the team itself. Exactly. So. And I must admit, Steve, I'm really looking forward to, to going down um, to, to Arizona as well. Um, it, you should be because it is cold out here. Yeah, we never touched on that, did we? <laughs> I, I started talking about it. Yeah, and then I went off. The Winchell's going to be like sorry. negative 60 tomorrow. Yeah, which, I mean... I'll be honest, I didn't know that was a possibility. That, yeah. that, that is beyond it's, what I thought was possible. It is colder here now. Well, not here. It'll be colder here. I mean, I obviously, I don't want to generalize about an entire planet. Uh, I believe that it is considerably cold. It will be considerably colder here on Wednesday than it is on Mars, generally speaking. So Which is, that's what we're competing with is Mars. For everything we all know about Mars, we know that it's cold. Yeah. Right? Is there an expansion but, team on Mars yet? <laughs> Is that next <laughs> FC Mars? I mean, don't don't suggest it because it may very well happen. I feel like Don Garber's it just his ears started burning. <laughs> Possibility out there. Um, yeah, you're gonna go to Arizona, so I'm mad at you. Yeah, no, I, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it's like 70 degrees as well. I'm very excited. Um, I'm gonna burn naturally, so you, you've got that. Yes. Um, I'll burn just for you. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm excited, Steve, because I'm, I'm looking forward to spending some of my own time around some of the new players and getting to know them and um, looking forward to warming the pipes up again, uh, getting behind the mic. I haven't done a commentary for a while now, so looking forward yeah. to that. So when, when you start, if you haven't done a commentary, do you warm up? Do you like try to call some games to warm up? Or do you, do you get on and then you're like, are you just like, Molino? <sighs> uh. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know, Steve. I don't really warm up, to be honest. It's okay. just... Just go for it. It's, just it's right a game. Back, right just, back into it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, I, but I will say I'm glad that we've got this opportunity to do that. So, um, as I say, that I, I would hate to, to go into a season just not uh, not prepared and, and not ready. I was fortunate at the end of 2017, I went back to England and was able to do a bit of work over in England with the Football League. But this year, the schedules didn't didn't work out. So, sure. um, I'm looking forward to it though. It's, right. it, it feels as though the season is nearly here because it is. Yes. You know. Um, so remember, it's offside, not offsides. <laughs> That's my tip for you. Thanks, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it's a goal, um, not a touchdown. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You, you, Throwing some words like cracking, I think, is a... Well, it depends if anything cracking happens. Yeah, right. You know, we'll, we'll wait and see. It's preseason after <laughs> Just all, generally you know? speaking, you know, like... Um, I mean, what I will say is these preseason games, they are typically tedious. Like, there's not, yeah. you know, there's there's not um, a great amount of football that's played usually. It's a lot of people just getting into the rhythm and whatnot, you well, know. Well, I mean? like, I remember, so when I started here, um, which was before the first MLS season, uh, I've been here. I don't remember when we played our some of our first, first games in Florida, and I think mm-hmm. we were playing Toronto. Oh, was this the stream when it was... 
it was pouring rain yeah. and it was one guy with an iPhone like on some bleachers <laughs> and I was going to have to like write a, a recap of this and I'm watching it and first of all the angle was such that when the ball went to the far side of the pitch it was like I can't first of all I don't know any of our own players like I'd mm. only been working here for two weeks like I could not identify them on site <laughs> and like I had not I was not deep into MLS I knew who Giovinco was but I didn't know hardly anybody else on Toronto I, and I'm just like looking at the screen like guys I cannot I cannot remember. I can't tell what's happening. It's a rainstorm. <laughs> like I cannot see the far side of the pitch. I don't know who any of these players are. So uh, that was, a ch- and the stream was choppy as well. I think uh, so. The joys of Major League Soccer preseason, yeah. mate. You know, I mean, <laughs> what I will say, I can promise our stream won't be choppy. Well, there you go. Yes, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be really, really good. Just off off topic. I'm assuming off topic from your your script as well. We're all off topic. Two <laughs> two things that that I, I think are important to, to talk about right now. Number one is. I really hope Sebastian Jovinko stays in Major League Soccer. Okay, There's a yes. big rumor right now that he's going to go and play in Saudi Arabia, I guess, for for an absolute boatload of money. Right. I um, presume on a field that it floats above Abu Dhabi <laughs> on jets or something. Possibly. I, I don't know. It's like but, jets in the style. Um, it's a real shame if that happens because he, uh, he, he I think, I spoke earlier on about ushering into a new era in MLS. I think he was the player that, that certainly pushed it more yeah. than most oh, because he came sure. in when he was 27 yeah. absolute prime of his career recognisable player around the world you know he he was the one um, so I hope he stays I really really do um, also um, the, the United States as well beating Panama 3-0 I thought it was a yeah. good start to the Berhalter era um, still you yes. know loads and loads of questions you know you, you can't judge it purely on that game but it was it was great to see so many players get an opportunity as well um, you know I, I thought um uh, Will Trapp when he came on was was fabulous. I thought Michael Bradley was was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pleased that that some of the players came on, got an opportunity like uh, Sean Johnson the goal for example. I thought he was he was good for NYCFC last year and was deserving of an opportunity. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see Canhouse get an opportunity over yeah. the next couple of days against Costa Rica. And uh, let's bear in mind as well that Calvo will, will be playing mm-hmm. against uh, the United States. You would assume. Um, so I think um, the the future is very bright for the United States. A lot of these players are coming through MLS academies as well, or at least playing in Major League Soccer. So mm-hmm. it's good to see, Steve. I was I was impressed with a lot of a lot of individuals. I thought Walker Zimmerman was good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Ramirez obviously got his goal when he came on. A fabulous work from Jonathan Lewis on the left-hand side as well mm-hmm. to, on the build-up for that goal. So it's all good for the United States right now. And yeah. uh, I just want to point that out. I, I think it's, it's a good time to be a soccer fan in Minnesota, not only through Minnesota United, but for the USA as well. It's a new era for both. Yeah. And we're a part of it, and I can't wait. Yeah, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get into it a little more next podcast. We'll see what we have to. I mean, I don't want to start a whole conversation about it right nope. now, but um, I I would recommend anybody who's interested in it go check out on MLSsoccer.com. Uh, uh, Greg Doyle, I believe, broke down some of Bear Halter's uh, strategy uh, and sort of a connection to Man City uh, and some of Guardiola's approach in terms of how he used uh, Nick Lima uh, as a sort of false fullback where he would slip in the middle and yep. sort of work as a central midfielder. Mm-hmm. And he uh, shined in that role, by the way. As yeah, well. yeah. I mean, I, Nick Lima did some work for me in fantasy last year, sort of <laughs> providing assists and, and goals, you know, from that fullback position, which is crazy. So, um, so yeah, good articles there. Uh, I think a couple of people broke broke that down and talked about that connection between Manchester City's approach and and I, I like having I like a guy like Burhalter who's like a thinker and an analyzer and wants to try stuff and 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 sort of 
see what works and not simply just throw out a bunch of guys and, and play soccer, but he really wants to have an approach. So I like that. Um, but that'll be next time. Uh, thanks yes. for joining us for the 42nd Sound of the Loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. Follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Ventress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>